And we are live for the 121st episode of the Bronx Bomber Babble Podcast. I am your host, Matt Loves Luigi, and tonight it's me, it's Andrew, and it's G. How are we doing, guys? What's up? We're uh, we're, we're we're doing. Um, we're doing. We're doing. We're doing. Derby. <laughs> yep. Oh, uh, just <laughs> we're just getting off the home run derby. Andrew totally didn't have money on Jared. I totally didn't have money on Juan Soto. Um, so we're just. Going I was over there, here doing gonna... dead list to prepare for the podcast. <laughs> uh, Matt uh, Pete Alonzo Graziano over here was just working out during a fan friendly event that shouldn't be taken too seriously. But, <laughs> anyways, we're not going to talk about the home run derby, even though it was a great show. I always enjoy the home run derby. It seems like to deliver every year. We're here to talk about the New York Yankees, and this is kind of like the midseason review episode. The Yankees, as we currently stand, are the best team in baseball, as they've pretty much been for the past month or so, 64-28, and 28, 13 games up in the AL East, about a five-game lead on the Astros for best record in the AL, which is so very important, so a lot going good. Um, obviously, the last series before the uh, break was against the Red Sox, a series that, you know, after the first game, especially, you know, they they dropped the first game in you know brutal fashion, probably you know one of the worst losses. There haven't been many losses, obviously, but that that loss Friday night was definitely a rough one. And it really seemed like all right after you know you lose two or three to the Reds, you drop the opening game to the Red Sox. You say all right, we've lost three or four. This team needs the All Star break. This they're just they look tired. The pitching starting to break down, and then they just absolutely demolished Boston the next two games and kind of made us all forget. Um, about about that you know losing three or four and yeah here we are matt carpenter's a god uh, aaron judge is on an mvp pace all is good all is good can there still be improvements absolutely but hey it's really tough to complain and you know too much when you're up 13 games in division so yeah you know we're going to just try to preview the rest of the season obviously the trade deadline's in a couple weeks so talk about possible moves the Yankees could go for there. Obviously, there's a pretty big name on the trade market that we will also talk about. Uh, one of the biggest names that's been on the trade market ever in Juan Soto, who recently turned down a huge contract. Obviously, an outside chance the Yankees will get him, but we're still going to discuss that. But guys, the thoughts about the first half of the season? I mean, shit. One of the, I mean, probably the best first half of the season I remember in my lifetime, to be honest, because I'm, yeah, no. I'm not old enough to remember the 90s. Yeah, no, for sure it was. Um, look, G and I were both in, in elementary school during uh, the 1998 season. So um, if we told you we were fully invested in that team night to night, like I remember turning on the game and, and they never lost, right? But like you, you can't appreciate it the way that, that we can now, certainly. Um, yeah, it, one thing that, that I, I kind of really got humbled this, this past week is that yeah, I, I tend to be – maybe wishy-washy is the word, but I get very caught up in, in, in the day-to-day grind of the season. Like one bad game, things feel like, like they're falling apart. One good game, you feel like you're unstoppable. And and, and I'm very guilty of that. So like, I'm not going to deny that. But one thing that like this team showed me this week is that they just always have a response. They're never down and out. You lose five out of six games, three straight over two separate weekends to to the Red Sox and then in between two out of three to the Reds and you're thinking like this team's got a lot of problems they're finally exposing their flaws and then they go and they just bludgeon the shit out of the Red Sox the last two games in that series so look they're gonna have more struggles this year hopefully they're gonna not deal with many more injuries but you know that part's inevitable too but no matter what this team always has a response and almost always it happens to happens to be in convincing fashion 
Like they didn't just beat the Red Sox the last two games. They won with a 22 run differential over two games. Um, obviously the injury to sell was unfortunate, but you know, like I was at that game on Friday and it felt as miserable as it could be. Not the fact that they had lost their fifth out of six games, the fact they'd lost their third straight to the Red Sox, but the way they lost on a, on a, on a pass ball, I guess we want to call it. Cause it kind of bounced and then went like uh-huh. five feet in front of the plate and Xander Bogart scored an extra innings. They went two for 15 with runners in scoring position. They looked sloppy on the bases and the field. It just wasn't a I crisp mean, game by any means. Just the fact they had bases loaded, nobody out with just needing one run in the ninth and 10th <laughs> inning. And they didn't score. Either. So, yeah. It was just, a, just like one of those games where you're like, how can this team win the world series? Like th- this team, the team that I watched tonight, there's no way that they can win the world series. And then they just come out the next two nights and, and they completely changed the tone. So that's one thing that, like, that's my takeaway, that no matter how low they get this year, they always have a response. And that's something that I need to take with me going forward into the second half. Yep. And um, I would agree with that for sure. I think um, up until, like, very recently, there was a stat out there that said, like, in every game that they were losing in the late innings, uh, I think that streak was probably broken at some point recently. But up until... Very recently, they had brought the tying run to the plate or the tying run to the plate in the last inning if they were losing. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that, yeah, like just speaks to the resiliency, which has been pretty cool. And obviously, that's a huge departure from last year when there was just like depressing slog and nothing but misery. And it yeah, was I like, think the only two games this year that they haven't uh, matched that feat was obviously the Sunday night baseball blowout against the Red Sox when they when they blew the four nothing and then six two lead and ended up losing eleven six. And then they lost that game to the to the Pirates earlier in the week. I think that game may have been by a few runs too. Um yeah final score of that game was five two. I don't really think they did much in the ninth inning there. But those were the only two games really where they didn't at least bring the tying run um to the plate or the put them on the on deck circle uh, in any game they lost, which is just bananas. Yeah, and I mean this they're just they're just fun. And I was, you know, a Red Sox fan friend of mine texted me in the middle of I think it was on Saturday when the Yankees were just just absolutely pissing on the Red Sox and he goes like, "Dude, who is going to like no one can compete with this offense." And I was like, "Yeah, it's like it's kind of only for the most part like the top 6 are just insane. Like you could improve on Gallo, you could improve on probably IKF, even if they don't want to, they could. But like offensively, they're so good and they could get better. And right now, I think just an important development from my perspective of the first half was that they've given themselves such a cushion for the rest of, quote unquote, the rest of the season. Obviously, you don't want to get complacent or whatever, but like giving themselves such a cushion to get healthy to make your acquisitions to tinker and fine tune and whatever else, and hopefully just bring it home with an easy division win. Um, but they're just so, so good in a lot of different ways. And they have, I think pretty clearly distinguished themselves as one of the two best teams in the American league. Yeah. You know, the, obviously you know, they're most likely, you know, obviously you never know, but they're most likely going to have the division locked up with about a month to go. But, you know, they're only four and a half games up on the Astros. And that's going to be very important because at this point, I mean, obviously there's no you know exact number, but I would say there's, what, a 70, 75% chance it's going to be Yankees-Astros in the ALCS, m- more than likely. 
Uh, obviously, no guarantees. You never know who's going to get injured, what could happen. The Rays, Blue Jays, Red Sox. I mean, shit. <laughs> I mean, you know, look at these Mariners, right? I mean, obviously, we saw J-Rod almost win the Derby tonight. That would have been typical, considering the Mariners won 14 straight. But, yeah, you just don't know what's going to happen. But that Astros team is most likely going to be back in the ALCS. And, hey, guess what? On Thursday, we have a doubleheader in Houston. So, you know, I'm not wishing this upon us, obviously, but we lose those two games. All of a sudden, two and a half games in terms of, you know, best record in AL. That's not that much. So the Yankees yeah, and, still and, definitely and, need to go full uh, throttle for the foreseeable future until they're like I'm, eight games up on the Astros with 10 games left. Yeah, it's really important for the Yankees to not only split that series, but but sweep. And I know they're, the chances mm-hmm. of you sweeping a doubleheader are, are, are slim to none, right? Especially against a top team like that coming out of the break. Whatever on the on the uh, road in a stadium, it seems like we get shut out. That's their house of horrors. Yeah. So, but but the Yankees are are three and four against the Astros this year. So the tiebreaker is going to come down to the regular season series, which the only way the Yankees win that is if they take both games on Thursday. So it's unfortunate, but kind of where we're at. Yeah. So real quick, let's just recap the uh, Red Sox series. Obviously, we already talked about the Friday night game that Andrew so unfortunately had to be at. Uh, definitely, like you know, it was funny. I had like a family gathering that next day, that Saturday, and you know, there was a lot of Yankee fans there, and we were all saying the same thing: how that game was straight out of 2021. Like that game was literally taken from the 2021 calendar and was just placed in the year 2022. It was really unbelievable. Like those were the types of games we would lose last year, but. You know, enough reminiscing about that game because, boy, Saturday and Sunday were really fun. Um, you know, Saturday night, games on Fox. Um, it, you know, right away, it just Devers hits the home run of the first thing you're saying, ah, oh, here we go again. Like, this guy is literally going to hit six home runs against us. And that was the only run the Red Sox scored the entire game. And, guys, this was the Matt Carpenter and Aaron Judge game. Each guy hit two home runs. Carpenter had seven RBIs. They pulled up the stat, like the only guys with like multiple seven plus RBI games. It was Carpenter, Ruth, Carrick, Mantle. Uh, I mean, look, obviously Aaron Judge in the year he's had, like out of all the Yankee stories, that's probably been all year the number one story, just how great Aaron Judge has been, especially after he turned down the contract in spring training. But man, Matt Matt Carpenter was just, obviously before this weekend, he was, you know, he was awesome. He was hitting home runs, but this weekend was really just like the coordinator, like a national TV, him having that performance, just like that was just, just incredible. I mean, guy has almost like a 1500 OPS in a month, 13 home runs. I mean, you, you just can't say enough about the guy. I mean, he basically is, is going to effectively end Joey Gallo's Yankee career, basically just like the final nail in the coffin. It, it so seems so. I mean, Matt, like other than Aaron Judge, I mean, Matt Carpenter has just been the, the story of this Yankee season, in my opinion. Yeah, and to, to think that he just plucked him out of obscurity, right, as a 38-year-old, a 39-year-old. Like, he's had a good career, and he was pretty, pretty good player for a lot of years with the Cardinals. Right. Um, but it's just wacky. It's just very wacky. And uh, I think, like, I think it was Lindsey Adler who had that tweet basically said how he showed up to spring training in, like, jeans. He was, you know, saying he would do anything to get on the team, whatever it would take, and yeah, now he's now he's like the story of the year. Now he's a fixture in the, fixture in the middle of this Yankee lineup. Because just think, before like in the last few weeks, there would be like four or five game stretches where he wouldn't get in that bat or he wouldn't play. 
And you would kind of think to you, especially as you're watching Joey Gallo go 0 for 4 with three strikeouts every game, you're saying, like, wait, what? You mean I go three or four, games? 4 for 55 over a 20-game stretch? It, like, is, is, Isn't it crazy how – because they had another one, like, you know, Hoke always tweets that out. And I said to myself, I feel like I've seen this tweet, like, 10 times this year, where it's like he's had, like, seven or eight, like, separate stretches of, like, his, his entire season is just, like, multiple four for, like, 40 stretches. It's unbelievable how awful he's been. Well, I mean, look, he's, he's either, a 160 hitter it. this year. He hit 160 for us last year. He's striking out over his Yankee tenure at, I think, about a 40% clip. Um, he he's, he's a pretty good defender. You can't take that away from him, and he's, he's nope, decent he on the bases. But, like, if he's not doing anything remotely competitive offensively other than hitting, popping a couple garbage-time home runs to make the, the OPS, I think his his, uh, his weighted run, runs created plus is, like, 80, so 20% below league average. Um, and that's definitely generous and it's definitely inflated by the fact that he's got a bunch of garbage time home runs mixed right. in. Right. Which, Which like, it's right a now. shame. Um, it's a shame. I mean, they were talking about this on the cast, the telecast the other day. Um, you know, to be like, oh, well, it's, it's a shame that he can't hit this. He, he's like really good at a lot. Like most, most other stuff he's pretty good at. Like he's pretty quick. So, and he's a good base runner. He reads the ball well. Like he can take the extra base. He's a good defensive outfielder. He he's got a good throwing arm. Like all the other like everyday stuff, he's like really pretty good at. Except for the fact that he literally cannot hit the ball at all, which well, is maybe kind of important. Well, you know, it's crazy though because uh, you know I grew up and I knew a lot of guys who you know almost made the major or like career minor leaguers almost made the majors, and you'd be surprised at how many guys that happens to where you see guys and they literally look like the greatest fielders ever and have the softest hands ever, but they could just never make it to that next level. Like you always hear the term uh, like, you know, quadruple A, right? The guys that like kill it at triple A, but then go up to the majors and they can't hit at the major league level, but then they go back down to so triple A and they kill it. So like Miguel Andujar, you know, like guys like that. And it's, it happens, but yeah, Joey Gallo, there's no reason. Tyler Wade. Yeah, see, Joey Gallo, I wouldn't mind him for the rest of the year as, like, a bench piece. Because Joey Gallo off the bench, like, as, like, a defensive replacement is, like, a, like that's fine. But, like, he's... Yeah, a, but here, here's my thing about Joey Gallo is that... Um, remember a couple years ago when we had Andujar uh, during the middle of his rookie year? They, they'd yank him for defensive replacement, like, the sixth, seventh inning. And then when they got towards the playoffs, it was a Danny Echeverria every day. Remember that? Like... Um, I think oh, it's yeah, yeah. by no means is a good hitter, but he could put together some competent at-bats, right? He could draw some walks, and if he did walk, he was fast as shit on the bases. Um, Joey Gallo, if he comes in for defensive replacement and the lineup flips around and he come, comes up and again in the spot to either stretch a lead that we may end up blowing or comes up in a tie game or we're behind, now you've completely hamstrung your team by the fact that you you, you made a defensive move and mm-hmm. now you hurt the offense when you actually need it. So, so I, I get what you're saying, but it's a double-edged sword there. And no, I this agree. is I agree. Re- like relevant. Um, and Brendan Cody was doing an interview and just like giving his thoughts about the trade deadline and said, among other things, that his read was that he thought the odds that Gallo was with the team beyond the trade deadline are pretty low, even though they'd be taking, you know, whatever cents on the dollar from what they acquired, which like I don't think they gave up like a ton to get him, but they obviously gave up something. And he was saying that he thinks the odds that he's with the team are low and that it's basically pretty clear that they just need to move on and rip the Band-Aid off. Yeah, I'm, I'm, sh- I'm sure Texas is pretty happy with the return they got from us, um, particularly Glenn Otto. looks like he might be a nice piece 
for for them. But um, I, you really can't play that. That's kind of like a, like like the the fallacy of the sunk cost. Um, worrying about like what you gave up to get him. Like if he's not helping your team right now, and you can make improvements in a year where you think you have a chance to win the championship, and you're better off without him on the roster, then like that's it. You just you, you got to put the blinders on and just make that exactly. move. Exactly. At the end of the day, like that, what you got for him, or what you gave up for him means shit. Like the, you know, it's like it's, oh, you lost trade. Who cares? Like we're the best team in baseball right now. And we need to get this guy off our team. That's all that matters, right? Right. It's not, it's think, not like the return. It's not like the guys you gave up for him are like you know starting in the All Star game, right? If it was that the case, then you're saying, oh man, this this, this sucks. But yeah, they, they I think that's probably a good like probably a good segue because, and I think we maybe mentioned this last time, even though that was only a week ago. But like, if ever. Right. Last year was miserable and whatever, like last couple of years, they've been like pretty good here and there. Like if ever, as we get to two weeks from the trade deadline, that there was a time to go out and just go all in. Like, for God's sakes, this is a year. Yeah, see, I, I, I disagree with you. And I think we, we kind of talked about this in one of our in one of our group chats. And, and Luigi, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you're kind of more um, in line with with my way of thinking on this. Uh, okay. I think if you are in a year where there's not two or three so obviously top heavy teams like the Yankees and Astros are laying waste to the rest of the league, right? Like if it's a little more of a balanced year and you're like the third or fourth best team and you think you can go out and make one big swing, like look at the Astros in 2017. I think they were already a really good team and obviously they were cheating um, to help that, but like they went out and they got Justin Berlander, which far and away put them over the top. Um, I don't know if the Yankees need that. I think if they went out and got a guy like Juan Soto, sure. Like there's there's no reason why like right <laughs> there's no excuse to not win the championship if they were to do something like that. Right? If they go out and get a guy like like Castillo or uh, we talked about uh, any of the guys in the White Sox if they start selling off or um, you know a, a insert even if like the Giants start want to throw it throw it away and, and maybe you go ahead and get a guy like Rodon. I, I don't know, but my point is like you could go all in, but I don't necessarily know if it's worth crippling your your future i think the yankees mm-hmm. are good enough that they could win without that and pers- so I, that, that's me just getting greedy where i think we can do and, just enough to improve the roster to win this year and also still have a stacked pipeline to win in, in the future as well and the thing is that people aren't realizing if let's say okay like hypothetical we trade for soto you know trade deadline okay we give up i don't know four or five or our top prospects not only are we gutting our farm system, we're probably effectively losing Judge because there's no way that they're going to keep and sign Soto and then also sign Judge to long-term deals. And then also, yeah, and, know, and, and people's argument there like, is not going to happen. So your argument you, is yeah. that you're going to get Soto for three years, but he's making 17 million in his second year of arbitration as a Super Two player. Yeah, so he's probably going to make closer to 23, 24 mm-hmm. next year, and then near 30 his fourth year. So by then, do you want? It, Cole and Judge and Stan exactly. and so end of like, There's no way the Yankees. I, I know they can in yeah. theory. They can afford it, but they won't. Yeah, like look. As much as I was like on this podcast all off season saying the Yankees need to make a big splash, big splash. I'm at the point I'm like, look, Soto. I'm not gonna deny. Like if, if we if I get the ESPN alert that Juan Soto is a Yankee, I'm gonna be thrilled. But it's just not something that I you know I'm gonna be mad at the Yankees not pursuing. But and yeah, point, it, that, it like, does kind of suck if they, if. If the Mets get him, let's say, or if another, you know, another team in the AL gets him, then it's kind of a point where it's like, uh oh. Like if another team gets him and then they're a contender and that puts them over the top, then you kind of kick yourself. But I I, I just don't think but the whole thing of the fact that they got Soto, then that would effectively block out Judge and we probably lose Judge. I don't know. I, I just don't think it's worth it. And 
that wasn't even necessarily what I was thinking of in terms of like going all in, but like go get a pitcher. And Cuddy said in that same interview, he said that he thinks the Yankees will be in on Castillo. And obviously, you know, most people for most good players are going to ask for one of, you know, Peraza and Volpe. So that's just a matter of like, if you want to do something like that, but like get a bullpen arm. I think now that, you know, Severino's hurt for hopefully not too long, they're probably going to look for a starter, but like whatever going all in is short of, you know, getting Juan Soto, because that's in my, my mind, kind of a whole other thing, but like, in the context of this season, right? If there's a pitcher, go get the pitcher. You know, be in on Luis Castillo. Don't maybe sell right. the farm for him because I think he's a rental. But, like, go get a pitcher. Go get a bullpen arm. If you could get Gallo off the team or get another outfielder from somewhere, bring some of the farm system guys up. Like, all that stuff should be on the table because they are very good. And this is as damn good a chance as you'll ever have. Yeah, so yeah. that's fair. So I can think that's just a difference of, of perspective for what you – what some people may consider going all in versus me, like going out and, and getting a bunch of finishing pieces. Um, maybe I personally don't consider going all in. I would say like, even even what the Braves did trading so much of their, of the, their top of their pipeline for, for medals. And I wouldn't even consider that. Like you have to give away three of the all, top five, right? Yeah. All ins like, if we don't, if we don't win a championship out of this, we're screwed. Like that's all mm-hmm. in to me, and, like, and that's what know, the Yankees like, did in 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 the mid two thousands. Like they would go, they would trade decent prospects for for middling veterans that never panned out, and then they had no pipeline. And then you saw a bunch of the guys once they were in, in other cities, not necessarily have elite careers, but think about all the guys they traded away, right? Like Mark Melanson and Melky Cabrera. Like they had good careers mm-hmm. elsewhere, and the Yankees had no championships to show for those. Yep, it's true. It's very true. But Luis Castillo obviously, you know, shut down the Yankees when he pitched against them in, in the stadium this week. It was a great – everyone was tweeting out, like, they shouldn't let Luis Castillo leave New York. Like, that. after that performance, he should li- they should literally lock him down in a room and make, offer him a trade. But, yeah, I mean, especially with Seve going down, and not even just Seve going down, because, you know, the last month, and we've talked about this on previous episodes, the Yankees starters have kind of fizzled out. Like, Cole's been fine. You know, Cole's been – I think at this point, Cole really doesn't even matter where he does. It's all about the postseason. You know, like he's going to, we kind of know what type of numbers he's going to put up in the regular season. We really just need him to be that ace in October. But the rest of the rotation, you kind of just look at it and you say to yourself, hmm, you know, Nestor obviously is an all star, has had a great year, but he's definitely cooled down. So is Gumby, right? Gumby's, Gumby's Gumby. I don't think, you know, you're really relying on him to be one of your best postseason arms. You know, Seve has been good this year, but obviously he's hurt, and you just don't know how he's going to come back from the injury. So, yeah, I think at this point you're looking for, you know, Tyone as well. He's been cold. So I don't know. I really do think all of a sudden after your pitching, especially your rotation, was so good all season, now you're a couple weeks from the trade deadline saying, yeah, this team probably needs another starter. This team almost certainly needs another starter. and. Yeah, Luis Castillo probably would be target. I mean, there's definitely some good, you know, Frankie Montes is also out there for the A's who will probably sell their best players for a bag of chips at this point. So that could be an option as well. But yeah, Luis Castillo, I would say, is option number one. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be upset with, with any of those guys. I, I would be leery of them falling into the, the Sunny Gray type type bucket 
Um, I don't, I don't think, I don't think Castillo would be as much, but Montas maybe. Just think about how how that experiment didn't really go the way we we planned. And and eh, that was a guy every Yankee fan wanted us to trade for. We did. We we traded some some good prospects. None of them have really have really done much, right? Um, I believe Fowler was in that trade. He hasn't really broken through anything since. Caprillion's the only one with any staying power, um, and he's kind of finding his way in in the Oakland rotation now. That that's the one risk, right? That you go out and you make a big swing for a starting pitcher and you don't trust them beyond the three or four and, and maybe not even in a big playoff start. So they definitely do need something to, to, to cover Sevy by the looks of it. It should be a quick injury. So maybe we have him back by, by mid August, which would be awesome. And it helps reduce his innings anyway. We'll see what we get with, with Herman. They got Sears in the minors. They have um, Schmidt in the minors. So it's not a matter of like, they need a starter to, to stay competitive in the race because they have such a big lead and they have enough arms to, to get through the year. If you go out and you get a starter, it's because you want to have a lethal one, two, three in your rotation come October. And I would say that if anything, I'm going to be really curious. Uh, I mean, uh, for whatever options, I'd say in terms of in-house options, I would really give her model look. And as long as he's healthy, because I think, you know, he's been, going as a starter down in the minor leagues and he pitched six innings his last time out a couple days before uh what was it this weekend you know this week basically he pitched six pretty good innings and i think he's basically ready to go so i'd say if they needed starts and they're going to need starts for as long as severino's out herman would be my first look and also i'd say on second on that list would be i'm just really curious to see what the yankees long-term plan is for clark schmidt because if they have one i cannot tell what it is but I i'm almost worried that he, he would be a guy that gets traded um which would suck because yeah. i because i like him but like they just haven't really carved out a role for him and then he was doing okay in the bullpen but they, they see him as a starter so they send him down to triple a to make sure he was starting games and pitching on a regular right. basis. and that's fine i just hate that it's like when he comes up he makes like a few spot appearances out of the bullpen and then goes back down like i think that's yeah silly. so the question is do the yankees just not have a defined role for him or do they not trust him enough to give him a defined role that's that's kind of the the mystery of this all Right, and he made one. Uh, what did he, he made one spot start this year, right? Um, I, think I think that so. was either way. Yeah, earlier in the year. Either way, those would be my two guys. Yeah, Clark and Smith, on, appearances, one start. Right. So, so I that, mean, that, I, that was I'm the game curious. that they thought Sebi had COVID, right, and didn't. Something yeah, like I that. believe so. Like we've seen Herman be good, so I'm just curious to see, and I'm, I'm sure you know I'd be willing to bet that he'd get opportunity number one to come off and, and get those starts while Severino's out, and like he's got that gear, like he's got good stuff. Where like I'd be much more comfortable, and obviously this is generalization, like I'd be much more comfortable with the idea of like Herman starting as like a three or four in a playoff game that I would be like a wiffle ball pitcher like Nestor or Gumby. But that's a generalization. Like those guys have both had success this season and I can't take that away from them. But like Herman's had that kind of success and he's got really good stuff. So if if he comes back into the rotation and pitches well, then that could be a huge shot in the arm for them and could maybe affect their deadline plans. Yeah, it's it really is crazy how the pitching was so amazing all year, but I still just think, I'm like, damn, we need a couple arms. And obviously that has a lot to do with the injuries, you know, Seve going down, obviously Chad, despite Chad Green, you know, 
was definitely showing signs of rust before he, you know, went down with Tommy John. Uh, you know, Chad Green at this point, like, I mean, I'd rather have like Chad Green, 2022 Chad Green out there than uh, Miguel Castro. You know, like, uh, who's not out there anymore either because he's hurt now, too. Yeah, that's, I mean, I'm saying just in general. (laughs) No, no, it's, 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 it's true. It's, it's just one of those things where, and obviously, you know, Marinaccio hopefully will be back soon, but, you know, we've talked about this. It's like, man, do we really trust these guys? Like, ah. It's it's rough. Obviously, Chapman is just a shell of it's himself. It's actually pretty game. wild. Like they, and I think, I mean, Lasagna just came back and he's working through it. I think Chapman, on average, has gotten a little bit better with each outing. Um, I was a little mad that he didn't get into one of those games Saturday and Sunday because those are blowouts and those are like just fuck around and find out kind of right. outings where there's no pressure, just go out there. But like. You know, whatever, I'm not the manager. But, like, Castro's hurt. Marinaccio, hopefully he'll be back, like you said. Herman, if he's back, I'm guessing it'll be as a starter. Britain, we're all expecting before too, too long, I guess. Yeah, if you don't but know like what you get for him. That, yeah, yeah just, but thing, still, man. it's like, like when you, you get Britain as... Know. Yeah, and this is what we're talking about, where it's like, you bring in, you're bringing in guys like Lucas Lutke and Wandy. Peralta, who are fine guys as like your fourth and fifth options out of the bullpen, and now they're coming in in like close games in the eighth inning. Like I, I don't like that. So, um, you know, it really is just like imagine if somebody, even like before in spring training, if someone told you, hey, at the All Star break, the five Yankee relievers with the most innings in this order would be Michael King, Clay Holmes, Wandy Peralta. Lucas Litke and Miguel Castro. You would think we were thirty and sixty. Fucked. Yeah, we're. You would think we were like, oh my god, like you're like, do we give up? We're like, are we the Phillies? Like, are we? we, Do we give up like twelve runs every game? Like that sounds so awful, but you know, obviously, like you know, G joked before the show, like, should we do a bullpen trust list? And we just said, like, it's all right, it's Clay King next. You know, like at this point, like Clay, it's Clay and King. Like Litke and Wandy have been have been good. Right for you they're know, kind the of on there by default, right? Guys. Now. Right, they, they're look, Licky or excuse me, Wandy 2.27 ERA, 0.95 whip, Licky 3.09 ERA, 1.28 whip. Like, fine numbers, solid numbers for you know, two solid lefty arms. But man, like we said this before, if those are your third and fourth guys coming out of your bullpen, pass you know, if you're in a long playoff series and King and Holmes have pitched each of the last two games and you need you know, six, nine outs and Wiki and Peralta are next to mine. That's that's worrisome. And then about the, that. and then your third, you're, you know, obviously like like we said, he's hurt. He's, they're hurt right now. But let's say Miguel Castro and uh, Ron Marinaccio, those are your third and fourth best righty arms. Like eh, well, and, and like here's it. the thing, like you know that like Loisac already came back off the IL, looked right, terrible, right. one outing, but but there's still upside there, and I think that's kind of why you still need to go out and and get a bullpen arm at the deadline, just as insurance. Like if, but, but if the, Chapman figures it out, if Loisica dials it in, if Clay and, and King stay elite, then you have four innings right there in the bullpen that you, you have, you're not blinking it. You know, like if you, if your starter comes out after five innings, and you got a, a two run lead, you're golden, but you don't, but, there, yeah. there's no assurance that they'll get there. The problem I mean, is, who knows, you know, like, like I, one of these guys could become, you know, like Marinacci. I mean, it's a long way from that, but one of these guys could become like the unforeseen, like, you know, new decent bullpen arm that they're maybe okay with going to in the pinch like that. 
You see, like, the reason why, like, I don't trust bullpen guys at all. Like, relievers are just psychopaths. Like, there's a good chance Loisaga just never finds it this year. Like, they're, they're, like, relievers just have random years where they're just bad, and they just never find it, and they're, you know, they're on and off the IL. So, I mean, there's no guarantee that Loisaga, like, regains his form. Do I think he will? Yeah, I think he will, right? Especially now he's got the break. Hopefully he's back healthy. But, yeah, I mean, you just, you just can't guarantee it. But, I mean, Chapman, I have no faith in. Um, the wise guy definitely have faith in him to get back, but yeah, I mean, you're like Andrew, you're absolutely right. I think Clark Schmidt's a guy that I really like, but I do think that's a guy that if the Yankees do make a trade for a you know really good starting pitcher or a really good bullpen arm, I do think that's a guy that we'll, we'll see go. And yeah, that'll suck. You know, it, unless they, unless they just go make. ahead and, and YOLO it and they bring him up and they they give him let high yeah. leverage innings, which I, I don't see that happening yeah. either. Yeah, I mean, you know, he has got ERA at three through 24 innings this year, so I think he certainly earned it. But, you know, it's funny, guys. I feel like a few weeks ago, it was all the Yankee trade talk was, you know, which outfit they're going to get, right? Ian Happ. Uh, like, and now I feel like with Hicks and even with Carpenter, I think that that's, talk's kind of died down. Like, I really don't think the Yankees need another position player at this point. Like, maybe someone to replace Gallo as just like maybe like another outfielder if they wanted to do that but you know maybe if they wanted to go with like a loriano type just to have like a defensive replacement i know like, you know, you're not like a huge fan of that but i don't know i just really don't i think that i'd sooner replace shortstop to be honest i know yeah not I, I, andrew you pressing need you just segue segue perfectly for me there because i was just about to say the two my two biggest problems in this yankees lineup right now it's obviously ikf who still does not have a home run <laughs> we're at the all-star break it's still he's still the thing they said fun fact the only he's, the first yankee are you is that you gonna do jay i won't i won't steal your thunder go ahead uh i mean yeah i think we're the first yankee to go 250 plate appearances to start the season without a home run since tony womack tony fuck, who by the way i'm wow. pure sure they, they cut before the end of the year right yep. they make it through the season so yeah because they brought in robinson cano right that's a great trajectory for for ikf to be on yep so i IKF and Josh Donaldson is like, I think he kind of quietly, like I, I, I think people like us who like watch the team almost every game noticed, but I feel like a lot of people, it's, he's kind of gone under the radar with how good this team's been. I mean, he was pretty bad to, to the first half of the year. I mean, he's been bad. Oh well, yeah. He, he had one, he's slashing like 175. He's batting like 175 at Yankee stadium. Like, yeah, he has, he's hitting at Yankee stadium, 175 with one home run. He has one home run at Yankee Stadium. Like someone, someone posted that on Twitter like a few days ago, and I, it's one of those things that you see on Twitter, and you have to like look, go on Baseball Reference and look it up for yourself because you just simply do like that can't be true. But I'm like, there's no I mean, He's played all year. He's played like almost 40 games this day, right? one home run. And so yeah, I, like and look, he's been fine defensively. You know, he's a good defensive third baseman. But at this point, like. If the playoffs started tomorrow, I really do think that there's a chance that Donaldson is just not in that lineup. And I know IKF's been bad, especially at short, where he short hops like every single throw. It's every throw, he, man. He has, he has no he has 12 errors. Ball. And I think if Anthony Rizzo wasn't his first baseman, he'd probably have 20. Like it's it's actually unbelievable. Um, but yeah, I I just don't like at this point, like I don't know if IKF and Donaldson are both going to be in that postseason lineup. Uh, it's because they both, they, yeah, like, I, watch they I, think could, I think you could have one of those guys in there, but I don't think you could. I think you need to replace one of those guys. Well, if the Yankees I don't get a come down up, to is, is it gonna be Marwin? Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Right. I watch IKF play, and I'm like, damn, can we get 
Anthony Rizzo like that like fifteen inch Louis Polonia glove that he used to fucking mm. play with. Like it's actually and I we said this, we made the jokes in the chat where it's like he can make like an incredible diving play. Wait, wait, sorry, sorry, base. sorry, you say Luis Polonia. You mean Luis Ayala, the reliever? Who had the mega glove? <laughs> I think they both it was a sim no, I mean I was actually referring to Luis Polonia, but like it's okay. the same sort of thing, I think. No, so um, remember we, we used we used to we used to clown on on Ayala at at, at the stadium because <laughs> he would do batting practice with that that mega glove. <laughs> uh, um, no, I the IKF throws are just unbelievable. And Andrew's gonna get mad at me because I'm gonna make an MLB the Show reference. But gee, you know when you make a throw in MLB the Show and you'll perfectly time it, but it still bounces, and it's just like a weird glitch that ha- it's in the game. Like that's IKF. Like it will be like a routine ground ball. Hey, everything's fine. The guy we the guy that like, doesn't have to move him. at all goes right yep. to him, right? <laughs> and it it still short hops. I'm just like, dude, this this guy. And like like someone said in the chat the other day, how did this guy win a Gold Glove at third base? Like, did, did this guy just have like a bionic arm for a year? <laughs> like, it's it makes no that sense. That third base but... throw is harder, bro. It's, yeah, it, exactly. It, that's that's why I brought like, it up. Um, so. All right, I this guy gives me such indigestion. I I don't want to talk about him anymore. So I'll yeah, talk never. about who we should replace him with. And I, well, I mean, for starters, I'd be perfectly okay with playing Marwin most of the time because he's good and competent and probably has at least the capability to hit one home run in the next two hundred plate appearances. He has. Um, he has like four on the year. Yep. Right. Like. I mean, I don't know the IKF like hit the him. I don't know crushing one like we thought he like got it and it like died before the warning track like a couple weeks or like a week or so ago. So I don't know. Yeah, we're, we're it really is one. It really is one of those things where like I I don't think he's gonna hit one. Like if 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 he hits one, it's gonna be an absolute scene. Like if I really I can really we, hope. Can we all remember? Does anyone know if we have had um like in our baseball watching existences someone who got four to five hundred plate appearances and hit zero home runs i mean i, I, I remember could, back, i remember back maybe in the, i don't know i remember back in the day brian roberts would hit like four home runs a season until that one season where he hit like 20 in the first half but all that to say all right so i'll go like and I, I i think i probably said it we all probably collectively said it but I'll keep saying it because they should do it. And if you needed an outfielder, bring up Florial because he's had a nice stretch of really good baseball. And bring up Peraza, Oswald Peraza. Both are in AAA. Both have had really nice stretches this season. Both athletic, both young, both fill positions of possible need. You know, like... Uh, yeah, but here, Peraza here's couldn't thing. possibly here's throw Florial's not going anywhere him. because Tim LaCastro... Um, right. Big dinner for Timmy this weekend. Yeah. And look, if, if you're going to, if you want to talk about going all in, like you mentioned earlier in the show, um, Peraza is probably getting traded. So you're not calling him up because he's going to be with a different team. Right. All right. But if he, if he doesn't get traded, then um, I yeah, would much rather still, have Peraza, over IKF. Sure. If Peraza doesn't get traded, I would much be, I would very much be for him, them giving him a shot, like late August to September. Especially, you know, you're you're like ten plus games up in the division still. Why not? What do you have to lose? Try him out. If he sucks, he sucks. Okay, fine. Really, saying, point, I think there's something missing over the Astros. 
I think and well, I'm, it's, I'm it's saying it's they're silly. at the point where they they have a cushion. I said yeah. the division, but I, I meant like in general. Okay. I'm just gonna keep beating the drum for those guys. Floreal, who you know, he was like the guy a couple of years ago. He was the prospect. And he's rehabbed his prospects and I think pretty well to that he should get a shot at least to come up soon. Um but you know, all that to say, like oh, I guess maybe this is my question, an interesting question. Like if you had to pick one of your quote unquote regular lineup guys right now. Like if you had to pick like, you know, let's say Donaldson or IKF to not put in the lineup during a playoff game or whatever game, who would you pick between those two guys? Probably Donaldson because, because IKF is useless offensively and, and I know he has those yips throws, but I feel like he could pull off a sparkler which may end up saving you in a big playoff spot. So like, I hate that I'm that I'm defending him in this case, but I feel like that I'd rather have him in a playoff game at this point than than Donaldson. And I know Donaldson's a veteran. I know he has a lot more uh, experience in the playoffs. He was with some some really good Blue Jays teams, but uh, I don't know. He, like it really is crazy how like he's just been low key. Bro. He's had some good moments, but yeah, like look if I'm. Shit, dude, if it's, it's at the point where, yo, if it's a playoff game at Yankee Stadium, I don't want Donaldson out there. He has one more home run at Yankee Stadium this year than IKF. Like, he, you know, he's 850 OPS on the on the road, and then he's, like, 600 OPS at home. Like, and a lot of that damage is against Boston, which, like, good good on him for, for taking right. care of business in that Fenway Park, but, like, that's all he's done this year for the most part. He had that home run against Pittsburgh, which didn't really amount to much in a blowout. Uh, yeah. IKF hasn't played third base for the Yankees this year, right? Not even once, I don't no, think. No, no, they they acquired him to be the shortstop, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, like, so I suppose even if you leave him in there, like I don't know, I I would probably take my lumps with Donaldson, even if you bet him like seventh, and put Marwin in there at shortstop because I, I, I think we've seen two. I mean, in my opinion, we've seen too many routine plays where the throw bounces like five feet in front of first base where I'm like, okay, this is like a serious issue could, for that me. Could, that could lose you a playoff game too. Yeah. I, I know. Yeah. I like that's, it lost us one of those games in fucking never, Fenway park, didn't it? You never want to put a second, not turn a double play. So that's very true. You never want to put a secondary like position guy at shortstop, you know, that's just not something you want to do. Yeah, but but I guess this, I was going to make a point of like, oh, well, at least IKF has a little more speed. So maybe you don't want – you'd rather have him there. It's just so he's not going to hit into a double play. But all the guy does is hit, hit, hit ground balls. So even in spite of his speed, he's probably more of a, a double play risk than Donaldson. So, like, there's no good answer between yeah. those two guys, at least not right now. now. Would they <laughs> – I know he hasn't – he's only played, like, I think, like, two games there this year. Why not just put Matt Carpenter at third for Donaldson? Should you should. <laughs> and this is well, so that's the only concern about Carpenter is obviously that he's old. So like, that's why I'm so thinking. Then why like, are you putting him in the outfield? That's where he's gonna get. He's gonna. Well, get yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, bring up. Well, the whole point of all this would be to get rid of Gallo, so you don't waste a roster spot on him anymore. But like, if you can do that, then and you don't get an outfielder in return, then bring up Floreal. Look, I'm happy with a with a, and then you a can judge, a judge play Matt Carpenter, uh, like Castro outfield, or Judge Hicks, Lacastro, and Stanton DH with 
uh, Carpenter in third. I think that's a good team. Yeah. Yeah. Man, no, I mean, I'm honestly pretty okay with giving LoCastro like the non Hicks or whatever. Even if you also just got rid of Gallo and brought up Miguel Andujar, like I'm okay with all these combinations. I'm just at this point, I think we're all. Pretty no, look, I, I, I think I think they're going to trade Andujar. He he requested a trade, and the only reason they haven't brought him mm-hmm. up is because they don't want him to come up and and see part time duty and and potentially not succeed and water down his trade value. Where if he's continuing to hit well in, in the minors, some team will look at that and be like, oh, cool. I, I, I see him slotting in in the seventh spot in my batting order every night. And that's kind of what they're staring into. So um, I think they're I'm okay with Lo Castro and Hicks getting or splitting. You know, I mean, keep putting Carpenter in the lineup. But, like, I think my concern with him is just age. Like, you don't want him to wear out. So, but Boone even just said the other day, like we got to be careful. In, I don't know if this was a little tongue in cheek or not, but basically saying like you want to not start him every day because you want to keep this like magic that you got going. You, you don't want to like run out the the effectiveness, right? So if you start playing him every day, then there's a chance that he kind of loses the the magic, right? Whereas in the role that they've been putting him in right now, where he's playing part-time, uh, it's working. So kind of just teeter on that I'd line say, between playing sometimes. Yeah, especially at his age. Mm-hmm. Like, if there's a clear upgrade on the market, be it at starter or relief pitcher or whatever, right? If there's a clear upgrade at outfielder where it's like, hey, if the Yankees get this, we'll be pretty good to go. Like, then I'd say go for it. And otherwise, I'm pretty okay with, you know, like, Locastro is at least good at something, right? He's fast as a motherfucker. So, like, you have that, even as a bench player, right? Put him in the outfield, like, once or twice a week. Carpenter is doing his thing. has more home runs than IKF. You know, Hicks has come back to be a pretty solid, you know, he's had a nice little run here for himself in, before the injury scare. So, like, I think if you're cobbling those three skill sets together, you're better off than just like running out Gallo every day. And um, if there's an upgrade that comes along, then that's great. And if that upgrade evolves, I don't know, bringing up Esteban Floreal, then like, Hey, let's do it. Yeah. I'm pushing the agenda. I don't care. (laughs) With what do you, with Tim LaCastro, with the way this Yankees team likes to steal bases. I think if he played all year, he would steal like 50 bases. Um, he stole two. Doesn't he already um, have like seven or eight already this year? Yeah, I'm telling you. I'm Yankees have more like, stolen bases as a the whole team. Year. They have more stolen bases as a team at the All Star break than they do all of last year. So, oh, good. Yeah. Love that. Um, guys, anything else we want to talk about for the first half of the season before we kind of look ahead to this tough stretch the Yankees have to start the second half? Man, like let me tell you, it's not even just the doubleheader against Houston Thursday. Then afterwards, they played the, not the hottest team, but the second hottest team in baseball, the Baltimore O's in Baltimore with that, like, 500 feet left field that no one's going to hit a home run out of. So it should be a fun one. Um, but, yeah, guys, anything yeah, else to wrap up the first half of the season? <laughs> no, I, I think we, 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 we on the beat the horse dead. <laughs> yeah, like, Gallo's yeah. going to be gone in, in one capacity or another. They're really going to DFA him if they can't get a a – a trade partner or they're going to trade him for pennies on the dollar and they're just going to be okay with it. I can't even see yeah. them at this getting, point. It's like, or they're going to trade him for a new pitching machine, trade him for like an eighth man in the bullpen. Like, it's, well, that's it's the thing. Like, are point, they right? going to, are they going to go like the Luke Voigt route where they trade for a high upside pitcher who's like four or five years away? 
or are they going to trade for a reliever who might help us this year? And you're gambling mm-hmm. with a team that, that acquires Gallo is just like, ah, we could find some, some juice. Left I mean, that. I trust Brian Cashman and call me crazy here, but if Gallo is what you're sending out, I do not believe they will have a terribly <laughs> big amount of options to choose nope. from in terms of return. Not at all. If nothing else, more than just teams don't want to pay the remaining what four million dollars left on his deal this year. I mean, we know well, the, the Yankees don't want to do it, but like, well, so then maybe the Yankees can overpay to get someone else to take on that money. It's what they did to acquire him in the first place. Remember, the Yankees didn't say Cashman's great at getting year. people to pay for things. Like, <laughs> well, that's why they overpaid for for Gallo last year in prospect capital because they said we'll give you an extra prospect or we'll give you an overall package that's juiced up by ten, fifteen percent or whatever if you eat all but five dollars of his salary this year i like guess the yankees paid like almost nothing so they may i mean i trust cashman like the, the the important thing is that he's gone and at this point if you get something back for him then that's just fucking wonderful yeah i was about to say i don't even care if we get anything back for him at this point it's, it's gonna be it'll be nice to just have him off the team and like i don't even say that maliciously it's it, you know it's it sucks but like yeah at this point it's like dude i can't watch him anymore it's, and that's it's what Cuddy was saying too. He goes like Cuddy was saying like at this point it's pretty clearly over and that they're gonna move on. Yeah. It's just a matter. It's just a matter of time. Like and and, and typical uh, guys who struggle with the Yankees fashion, he'll probably go to another team and hit like twenty home runs in the second half of the year. That, that's see, I don't think so. And, I, and I've said this all year on this podcast. I really don't think you just think he's that, that right. broken. I, I don't think I don't think it's a mental thing. I don't think it's like some people, you know, just can't excel in New York. I don't think he's one of those guys. I think he's a guy who's just so busted mechanically that yeah. he's not fun. It's, like, he seems it. to be having fun. They, they, the players all like him in the clubhouse. I think right. he's fine from a psychological standpoint. But you look at – someone said it in our chat today during the Home Run Derby. There was a – in the pre-show, like, oh, what 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 – what would a, a, an uppercut swing look like? And I immediately was like, said to myself, oh, an uppercut cut swing looks like Joey Gallo. Like, so it's his mechanics. It's his swing is shit. He even had, after he had a home run in garbage time on Sunday, he had another opportunity with the bases loaded in the bottom of the eighth inning. Uh, pitch was pretty much grooved right down the middle. And he had like a horrible uppercut swing, top spin the ball, and it went to medium deep right field. And most other power hitters, uh, left-handed power hitters would have put that ball on the second deck. So like, I, I don't think it's in his head. I think he's just he's he needs to see a hitting coach like Matt Carpenter did. Like it's funny. I'll just make like two random comparisons, right? Like Mark Deshera, we always like for a while people were like, oh, he started uppercutting so heavily. He batted like two forty. He batted fifty points better than Joey Gallo was batting, and had a if pretty. He tried pretty, like ninety. <laughs> yeah. All right. Fine. Oh yeah. When he was Mark Deshera was at his best, he was like a three ten hitter, but still. Um, Gallo's hitting 160. When Teixeira, <laughs> like in like the 2000 and whatever 11, 2012 range, we started to like really drop his batting average. Was batting like 230, 240, and was like very comfortably better than Gallo is right now. And I'm compare that. Re- I'm not going to repeat some of them, but there's like this Twitter thread of like old, like historically like injured players in like their final seasons versus Joey Gallo this year, and it was just so bad. Like oh my god, it was like oh this forty-four-year-old yeah, player had a higher <laughs> yeah like it's like oh look at this forty this player who played when he was forty-seven years old had a higher OPS than Joey Gallo has this year. Wow. You mean so, Julio yeah, Franco? <laughs> Julio Franco, he played almost he was fifty. Um, John Carlos, are you, you going to repeat the, the, the Lou Gehrig's stat? 
what you no, were I'm not going to repeat that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to repeat right, that. One. No, no, no. We, that was right. that was one of the tweets I saw in there. Okay, we, we uh, I'm not going to repeat, repeat that. that <laughs> Anyways, um, moving on to the John Carlson has the like flattest swing possible, and he hits the absolute piss out of the ball. So like, yeah. I don't know. Joe, look, if Joe Gallo goes somewhere else and is good, then power to him because he seems like a good guy. Yeah. And that's all that yeah, I have to say. Ab- about that. Absolutely. Um, but guys, I'm, I have a little fun, fun activity, fun question here. So obviously the AL East, arguably best division in baseball right now. Every team is 500 or better, right? How do you, how do we think the AL East finishes one through five? Like as of right now, right? We have the O's at 46 and 46, Red Sox are 48 and 45, Jays are 50 and 43. Rays are 51 and 41, and then we are 64 and 28. So we're 13 games up, but then two through five are all within five games of each other. So it really is, it could finish any which way between those four teams. Um, my prediction, I think, I think it's going to be the Rays and Jays. I mean, that's where they are now. Obviously, it's a two, three. Um, I actually saw like some interesting, interesting uh, pieces about the Red Sox today about how they might be sellers after that sale injury. You know, because the, there's a lot of people that inside the, the Red Sox front office that they are not high in that team. Like they have a great lineup, obviously, but without Sale, that they, they, you know, they're three games over 500, and you know, in a tough division, they might be sellers depending on how they get started this first week of the second half of the season. So very, but yeah, guys, how how do we think two through five is going to finish in the AL East? I mean, we're we're always assuming, you know, obviously, you know, knock on wood. We assume the Yankees are going to win the division at this point. I, I think that's safe to say. I mean, we, we've been wrong before, but I, I think it's safe to assume we're all going to predict the Yankees finishing first. So how do we f- think two through five finishes? I think Tampa and Toronto are going to swap spots. You still have Wander Franco out for, for a, a decent chunk of time. And uh, I think Toronto is kind of rebounding from the, the Charlie Montoyo disaster. So I think they'll get hot and, and rally up to second. I think, Baltimore will eventually level off and yeah. squeeze as, out staying in fourth as, place. As much I, as I would love to see the O's like finish fourth and bump the Red Sox to last. Yeah. I think they're going to fizzle out and probably finish like a few games below 500. So I would say the, it, it's exactly how it is today. Only you swap the, the Jays and, and the Rays. And you know, it's funny because um, all year we thought it was going to be three teams out of the AL East in the playoffs, but now Seattle, like if you know, season ended today, it would be Seattle and Tampa. Toronto would be out. So all of a sudden now Seattle's kind of putting a wrench in the, you know, three teams from the AL East making it out to the playoffs. Um, I'm going to predict, I'm going to predict the chaotic result here. I will predict that the Red Sox finish in last and the Orioles get up to fourth. Oh, I thought you were going to say the Orioles going to get to the third. Yeah, I, I thought you were They're going to third. No, the <laughs> Orioles, I think, look, I like, I love dumping on the Orioles. We all know that. I think, me predicting them to not finish in last place is as big a compliment as I could possibly give them. Um, but I also agree with Andrew. I think the Jays are going to get over the Rays. So I'd say uh, Jays, Rays, Orioles, and Red Sox. And because, dude, I'm sorry, look, the Red Sox are just not good. They're not. I think they only care and they only get up for beating the Yankees and they're just horrible against everyone else. Like, and I mean, you know, not that I'm a scout or anything like that, but I've been to like a, a bunch of Red Sox games this year. Cause I live here and nothing about them jumps off the page as being a good team. So I, especially if they sell them, the Orioles have that like young, 
you know, hungry kind of thing about them. And I think if the Red Sox tear it down and sell even moderately, that the Orioles, it might not be that difficult for them to get over the Red Sox. Yeah, it could, that could very well happen. Um, but, yeah, look, the Yankees' second half of the season, man, it's two against the Astros. Then you have three in Baltimore against the O's. And then you have two games at City Field against the Mets. So, hey, those are you know, those are seven games against teams that are all 500 or better, right? And then, you know, two teams in the Astros and Mets that are the best, some of the best teams in the league. So, give me a tough seven-game stretch. And, obviously, they haven't announced which pitchers are pitching then, right, because it's the All-Star break. Um, Cole pitched Sunday, so I assume he won't pitch till probably that Baltimore series, I'm assuming, but we'll see. Um, yeah, I think they've already yeah, said it's going to be what, um, JMO and Montgomery for, for the Astros. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and obviously it won't be Nestor cause he's most likely pitching tomorrow in the all-star game. He said he's got a few tricks up his sleeve for that. That should be fun. I hope he doesn't uh, you know, get too wild and like hurt himself or anything, knock on wood, but you know. Yeah, I, I could just imagine Nestor like throwing right-handed or like throwing a pitch behind his back or just some wild shit he's going to pull off. Um, <laughs> it's gonna be so <laughs> t- dude, I'm telling you, he's, he's, I'm like trying to picture like something he could like plausibly do that like, but I... So like, like wait, does he do some like Walter Johnson page, like stretch your arms all the way over your head, yeah, you know, swing your arm behind your back, like all that wacky old pitcher stuff. Like did Dusty definitively tell him he's going to, he's going to get into the game. No, I, I just saw an article, basically a story that said Nestor like had something planned for like the game. So like, I'm not sure if Dusty told him he's going to get into the game, but I'm sure like, I feel like Nestor's the type of guy that they would put in the game because a lot of the times you have the guys like, you know, Cole obviously just pitched, so he won't get in the game. A lot of the veterans who have been there a few times, Maybe they're not prioritized as much as pitching as the guys who, you know, first time all star. You know, look, there's yeah, a good didn't, chance. Didn't Phil Hughes pitch like the second inning of, of, of a game mm-hmm. the year he made it? Because the guy, yeah, that's the thing. The guys who were just made it for the first time and had those great years, there's a good chance they may, may never make it back. So you want to get those guys an inning in the game, right? Whereas the guys like Cole and Verlander, hey, they've been to like, you know, multiple all star games and they're probably going to be to a few more. So, but yeah, we'll see. It should be a good game. Home run derby is great tonight. Been a great My favorite season. thing about the All-Star coverage so far is Dusty Baker, manager of the American League team, saying about starter for the American League team, Shane McClanahan, that he's never seen him pitch. When he, they both <laughs> are like, Dusty Baker's the manager of the second best team in the American League, and they would have at this point regularly faced the Ast- or the Rays over the last like four years that he's been there. That's so funny. Ugh. I was like, never change, Dusty Baker. Just keep doing oh, your yeah. old wacky old man thing. Like, and let, let's just make a quick note. And not that I don't know if you guys are rooting for this or not. Um, I, I typically am against gimmicky shit. Like, if it happens, it happens fine. But I'm not like root, openly rooting for it. But did you guys see what happens in the event of a, of a nine inning tie tomorrow? That the game oh, will no, go to no, a home I, derby. I did see that, and I can't believe that you're not rooting for that. <laughs> Well, like Incredible. I said, like Andrew. I typically don't root for that shit, but I feel like I have to yeah. root for no, an like, all-star Andrew, game home run derby. Let me, Andrew, let me tell you something. When you like said, like, do you see what they have planned? Like, I didn't hear what they had planned, and like, about like a hundred different things went through my brain as to like what would you say be planned. Uh, like, it's the ninth inning of a tie game with two outs, and Pete Alonso's frantically running back to the weight room to start doing deadlifts to warm up <laughs> for the home run derby. Like, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I th- the Homer Derby is great tonight, but I think my favorite part of it were all the Pete Alonzo memes and people just roasting Pete Alonzo for taking it way too seriously. That was just so great. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, All-Star Game tomorrow should be great. Um, but, yeah, guys, a few days without Yankees baseball, uh, especially after those, you know, outscoring the Red Sox like 30-3 to over two games. It would have kind of been nice to keep having some Yankees baseball, but much-needed break. Hopefully our boys do all do our six Yankee all-stars all get in and do well tomorrow. And yeah, we'll probably do a pod after the five games they have start against the Astros and O's. And yeah, let's hope to have a good second half. Probably do a trade deadline episode as well. Maybe hopefully have a big trade to talk about, or we have nothing to talk about and we'll be mad. Right. Cause that's what we do. We just need stuff to complain about. Before too long, we're not going to have Joey Gallo to complain about. So, Yeah, it's, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to miss complaining about Joey Gallo. Not, you know, not. It's, it's just funny because like, the Yankees have been so good that we've had nothing to complain about. And this week, like losing two out of three of the Reds was like genuinely annoying. But like losing two last week to the Red Sox... Or, uh, you know, the final two to the Red Sox. And then they lost the third in a row to the Red Sox. And we're like, ah, oh, damn. You know, I wasn't, like, super wind up about it because, it's you know, it's two days before the All-Star break. And they're probably coasting into the finish line and whatever, a bunch of other stuff. Like, And then they just went out there and just, like, beat the absolute piss out of them for two games in a row. And I'm like, all right, all the vibes are back now. And we're good to go. Yeah. Like, they're, they're coming in hot. For this. Winning, winning cures all. And, like, like what you're saying. Before those two final games, before the All Star break, we were all saying, "Hey, this team needs a break. They're, you know, they've lost four or five. They're, you know, they're really just need a break. They look tired." And then we completely forgot about that because they just absolutely blew the doors off Boston those last two games. So it was a great end to the first half of the season. Let's have a good second half of the season, right? Um, but that'll be it for tonight's episode. Like I said, we should be back this Sunday, um, guys. Any final thoughts? I'm so excited to be done talking about Joey Gallo. <laughs> it's honestly, Andrew, I'm going to miss it. I might just start a Joey Gallo podcast so I could talk about it. A little Joey Gallo like newsletter so I could talk about it. I can it. promise you you're not going to do that. I promise myself I will not do that either. But at one long point, long. do we just start like openly campaigning using this podcast, using our Twitter to just like open the campaign, <laughs> using our, using this platform and everything else we have to make sure that Aaron judge wins the MVP. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I mean, obviously Otani, it's always tough to argue a guy who's doing it on both sides, but us being simps for the Yankees and us being homers, we will. And the angels being a complete and utter disgrace of an organization. And now my the good soul punks and armo doyles yes um but but for luigi for g for andrew this was the bronx bomber battle podcast and we'll see you guys next time go yanks <laughs>